I would like to welcome you to the Shipowners PI Club podcast series. I'm Simon Swallow, the Chief Executive of the club, and I would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcasts, which we believe offer an exciting new way of delivering relevant and insightful content to our members and their brokers and to the many other stakeholders who work with and support the operations of the club, such as our global PI correspondence. Covering a range of topics with guest speakers from different backgrounds across the maritime and insurance industry, and with a special focus promoting safety of life and property at sea, we hope that you will find the discussions with our club representatives interesting and useful to you in your own operation. Thank you. Hi, I'm Nicola Kingman, Manager of the Yacht Syndicate at Ship Owners. Welcome to the final podcast in the Yacht Electrical Fire series. In this episode, I will be joined by our Yacht Claims Manager, Cheval Gama, and Charlie Cooper, our Loss Prevention Executive, to discuss some of the topics mentioned in the previous three episodes, and also discussing the club's experiences with yacht fires from an underwriting and claims perspective. Hello, listener, and welcome to the fourth episode in the Ship Owners Club podcast series, where we're discussing yacht electrical fires. Today, we welcome Nicola Kingman and Cheval Gama, Please can you introduce yourselves and tell us about your experience within the club and within the industry. Hi, I'm Nicola Kingman. I head up the Yacht Syndicate at Ship Owners. I've worked at Ship Owners now for just over 21 years. I have worked on many different areas, but started to specialise in yachts around 2011. So just been working on yachts since then from the underwriting side. Hi, and I'm Chev Olgama. I am the claims manager of the yachts team. I specialise in the non-injury aspect where all the personal injury claims are dealt with by our specialised personal injury team. I am a maritime lawyer by background and I've worked at Ship Owners Club for, well, I'm into my 10th year now, so a reasonable amount of time. I am relatively new to the yacht team. I joined just over a year ago. Prior to that, I was dealing predominantly with northwestern European tonnage and, and mainly cargo vessels out there. Both pretty well experienced and it's a pleasure to have you both here. Uh, could uh, you share some details of some relevant incidents that you've experienced or handled on yacht electrical fires or yacht fires in general? I took over, as I mentioned, uh, just over a year ago now. And um, in that period of time, we've had uh, four fairly serious yacht fires. And it's quite a lot for a relatively short period of time. So we have seen a rise in yacht fire related incidents in terms of sort of the magnitude of them some of them have sort of almost gone to limitation amount with the fires escaping the yachts sort of affecting yachts nearby and marinas as the others the damage is localized to the yacht alone so so mainly surrounds h&m type damage but yes we, we we've seen a wide range in the last year or so Yeah, I think as Chef says, we've seen a large number of yacht fires over recent years. We've had a handful probably up until, I don't know, three or four years ago. And then we seem to see a lot more from then. Luckily, most of the yacht fires that we've seen have been whilst they've been in a yard or in a marina. And so the crew, if there were any, have been able to get off quite quickly. So we haven't had any, you know, serious injuries or anything like that, personal injury type claims. But unfortunately, we have had a couple where they've been at sea. Luckily, on those occasions, everyone was off safely. It's been a real increase in the number of fires that we've seen over the last few years. 
And just picking up from that point Nicola made, uh, our most recent yacht fire was actually a vessel off the Italian coast, which had been sailing around her during the summer, where she suddenly burst out into flames. Fortunately, the crew were vigilant enough to get lifeboat, the, the tender together, and all guests and the crew managed to get off, but, but the vessel was a complete and total loss. So at least from a, a personal injury perspective, we've been uh, quite lucky in that we've not really had anything major in that respect. So uh, at yeah. least that, that, that's positive. But uh, obviously you, you both say it's a kind of a trend which we see, seem to be seeing on the increase, which I can't think has kind of been echoed with kind of what our other guests have said. So yeah, it's something I think we need to address. And hopefully this podcast series can kind of give our listeners with some useful information and hopefully some good take-homes and we can help to reduce this trend. Yeah, I'd just say that on the personal injury front, I think we've just been lucky so far or or the yachts and, you know, the the people on board have been lucky. And that's why another reason why it's so important to try to find a solution or a way of preventing these fires going forward. I couldn't have said it better, actually. It is it is strictly speaking down to luck because you could have had a, a crew member who missed the fire at night whilst she was sailing and then you could have had a very different outcome that the fire could have spread a lot faster guests might not have been able to get out of the cabin necessarily and and it could have been a a much bigger disaster than it already was that's something actually that one of our other guest speakers said they said that quite often on some of the more serious cases where there are personal injuries the fires don't happen at a convenient time and quite often if you're in port it's maybe in the middle of the night when there might not be someone on board people might be up the road having some relaxation time so i think there's kind of falls on quite nicely to Nick and kind of the good work you do in making sure that yachts are sufficiently manned whilst in the yard. Can you give the listeners other examples of some of the things you look for when yachts are kind of undergoing work and when they may be more susceptible to fire risk? We generally kind of ask the yachts to confirm who will be on board. If no one is going to be on board, then we ask where the nearest person will be if they need to move the yacht in emergency because it might not be our yacht that's on fire it might be you know a fire on the yacht next door we also ask about what fire or what procedures they put in place in the case of an emergency such as a fire sometimes we also ask for a map of the yard or the marina in which the yacht's going to be moored which will help us to kind of ascertain where the nearest firefighting equipment is how easy it would be people to kind of get off of the yacht if there was anyone there or how easy it would be to maneuver other yachts that are around the yacht that's on fire and generally we're starting to get a lot tougher on yachts being left unattended or unmanned. Um, We realise that there are times of the year, for example, in the winter months in Europe, the yachts aren't being used. And so the crew might not want to stay on board the yacht or or the owner might not want to have crew on board the yacht all, all through the winter months. But it's important that there's someone very close by, not 45 minutes an hour away but someone much closer that can you know move the yacht if they need to or raise the alarm that there's a fire or there's smoke coming from the yacht or you know whatever and ensure that they've got proper guardianage type agreements and and arrangements in place if it is in the marina and it's someone from the marina that's keeping an eye on the yacht. Kind of in the first episode, Carl Lassard, loss prevention executive specialist for yachts at AIG, he was advocating the use of wireless fire detectors for yachts in the yard. Do you reckon that's something that you would accept kind of as a replacement for kind of having acceptable manning levels on, on yachts in, when you're in the shipyard? Yeah, potentially. I mean, that's why we ask really what, you know, what procedures they've got in place 
for those kind of circumstances. And we are quite often told that there is an alert system that will come through to the captain who is at home or ashore. It will come directly through to his phone if there is any danger of a fire on board. So that kind of gives us a bit of comfort. But as I said, it's more, I think we also need to be more aware of the equipment and the availability of equipment and everything close by to the yacht, you know, in, in the marina or in the yard. We've had a few surveyors come to speak to us over the last couple of years about fire incidents. And in some of the kind of horror stories that they tell us, there are quite often a lack of like firefighting equipment and stuff at some of the yards. And, and, you know, that's a concern for us. To the both of you, really, uh, do you think that the lessons learned from yacht fires are, are shared widely enough within the industry? On my side, I think we are very good as individual insurers and individual surveyors, individual investigators from honing in on, on the problems in a particular case. But this calls for a little bit more than that, because we as ship owners can learn some lessons and, and you can have AIG, you mentioned, learn their own lessons. But if we don't share this out sort of to the wider yachting industry, it's going to take a lot longer for us to build up standards that, that we need. So I think things like this podcast are particularly important in bringing people from different parts of the industry together and seeing if we can work out a solution together. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I get the feeling from the Hull underwriters that I've spoken to that it's a lot more difficult to kind of share the information. I think between the international group clubs that look after yacht business, there is a little bit more sharing of information, obviously not details, but we do discuss if we've seen a spate of fire claims, for example, then we do kind of discuss it and see if there's any collaboration that we can work on together to try to find a solution. But definitely there could be more sharing of information. I think it would hopefully be easy to you know, hide the details of the yacht, etc. that's involved in these claims, but it would be useful to kind of share high level information about the incidents. I would agree with what we both say there from a loss prevention side. I know, Nick, you're really good at passing on information kind of from other sources, whether that's news reports and things like that, kind of keeping us up to date with what you're seeing. And we're in conversation with the Super Yacht Forum about them kind of publicising our information, kind of what we've gathered on yacht electrical fires. So, yeah, it just takes us remaining proactive and trying to listen to as many different sources and trying to spread the message to as many different people as that will listen, really. Chev, in your experience of handling claims involving fires on board yachts, what would you say are the common themes in these cases? That's a good question, Charlie. I think you really probably could broadly break it down into three categories. So you, you can look at the ignition of the fire, the source of it. You can then look at the spreading of it. And then finally, you look at the relevant laws and regulations and codes in place to, to prevent such things from happening. I'll tackle the ignition of the fire first. I think that's something in, in certainly in the last year and a bit where the, the cases we've seen. You could say that most yacht fires start from faulty electrical products on board. And this can range from sort of AC, inbuilt AC units to, to things like toys that are plugged in that just bark up and start a fire. And it's particularly interesting because I think with, with electrical products on board yachts and especially the environment that a yacht is, perhaps needs to be fully tested sort of at a, at a more regular level than it currently is. And when stuff, especially like um, water sport toys are brought on board, they also be tested, if, especially if they have to be charged. 
because that could hone in on perhaps source of the fire and, and prevent some sort of tragedy arising. In terms of spreading, that's quite interesting. So yachts generally, from what we see, are products that, that their owners and their owning companies are very proud of, that they're sort of designed beautifully and, and the interior decoration is, is sort of maintained to a very high standard. The downside of that is the fire planning falls further down the, the pecking order. And some of the high-end materials that look particularly nice aren't the most fire-friendly and can be quite quite highly flammable. So there's a balance to be brought there between the needs of the owners of the yacht and sort of a practical fireproofing level of a yacht. So that's something we do need to look at. And it's it's a trend, certainly some surveyors have pointed out. And then Nick mentioned previously about marinas and how closely and tightly packed they can be. And that's something we have seen in the past where you have a reasonably bad fire on a yacht, but it, it should really be contained to that yacht. But you suddenly see this spreading from yacht to yacht and it very quickly gets out of control and you can have a very large P&I claim there for damage to, to several yachts. And in, in those cases, it's um, it's about the captain and the owners looking at which marinas they're about to call in, liaising with their local representatives to make sure there's sufficient space to maneuver. Because it, it could be a fire on board another yacht and you trying to get away, but you should ensure that you have sufficient space to maneuver and get out of trouble's way before the fire comes up. Do you want me to talk about regulations now, Charlie? Yeah, we, yeah we come... it kind of flows on quite nicely. Well, it's always that, that eternal question of whether sort of class and flag can do a lot more than they're currently doing. And, and it, it's a tough one because we as p insurers work quite well with class and flag and we rely quite heavily on the guidance they publish. And they certainly do a lot, a lot of good uh, to the industry and, and, and something that we, we, we need them to keep doing. But there's always scope for more. And at least in the UK, the, the regulations are or have potential to be tightened further in, in relation to fire. There's, there's obviously for smaller yachts under under 13.7 meters, there's no firefighting requirements necessary by law aside from SOLAS. And then you have the, the merchant shipping regs, which, which have great guidance for firefighting, but there are three exemptions now published for, for yachts that they can take advantage of should they wish. And that might not necessarily be be the best just just to deal with that particular point of your fires yeah i think that you kind of look at the whole the whole spectrum of yachts when you've got the new super omega yachts which are built to solar standards they can sometimes have dedicated charging stations and for, for their batteries and they've got proper professional crews on board and then you go down to the other end where they're privately registered and as you say they're not held to as many regulations and they may be a little bit older and i think that's kind of where we see a lot more of our problems with the slightly smaller stuff which is less required to apply with regulations and as you say there's no requirement for some some vessels to have any firefighting capabilities on board which is a little bit concerning nick when you're presented with a new yacht for a potential entry with the club what are the, some of the considerations that you make with regards to the fire potential of the risk it's not the first thing that we think of the main area as i mentioned earlier that we consider is if the yacht is going to be manned at all times um, or if the yacht's going to be left unattended in a marina. But quite often we only find that out by chance because, you know, we're told that there's going to be less crew on board and they ask for a reduction in premium or something. But it's not, you know, I can't honestly say that there are particular considerations that we give when we initially see the inquiry. I guess large part of that is because the, you know, risk of a fire 
could come from anywhere it's not something that you you know you don't know what's going to cause it or if or if one's going to occur it's quite difficult to kind of pin that down so generally we don't request too much information relating to the fire potential of a risk when we're quoting the main point as i said is whether the yacht is going to be manned at all times and where it's going to be moored particularly during the winter months for example in europe if it's going to remain in europe then where is it going to be moored and, and who will be looking after the yacht yeah i suppose that kind of echoes what chev said where you could be the best managed and best maintained yacht in the world but if your berth next to one which is not so well maintained and equally you're at risk of kind of a fire but i, I know often mm. you request recent survey reports and you and you forward them on to us in the loss prevention department and yeah kind of we can we take a look at the te- technical aspects and sometimes they come up with defects which are quite serious some of these may be fire related risks and we either kind of ask that they're rectified prior to entry or we may insist on a, our own pre-entry survey uh, to kind of make sure that their entry is mutually acceptable for the, for the club so from that's kind of our side in terms of loss prevention i know we, we never used to see that many survey reports actually on yachts but we are seeing more now whether that is because Hull and Machinery underwriters are asking for more surveys, I don't know. But yeah, we, we are seeing a lot more. And so we do forward them all on to you to have a look at. And the other thing is, for example, if we're approached about a risk that we'll be going into a yard to have some work done, again, we might kind of ask what risk assessment the assured has done before choosing that yard. Um, I know that there are surveys available to or, you know, that there are surveys undertaken at yards to, to check on the fire safety and, and equipment and everything, which I believe that the assured can ask for. So they can approach a surveyor and ask them to undertake a, an inspection of the yard before they decide to have their yacht refit done at that yard. But we haven't, I have to say, we haven't come across many of those, but I know from the surveyors that that, that kind of thing is available. And as I said, the Huller Machinery guys actually are, are kind of ask a lot more questions because if the yacht, if it's our yacht that catches fire, then obviously it will be the Huller Machinery guys that are covering the, the bulk of the claim for that yacht. We're just covering the third party liability claims, which obviously can be quite big as well, but it's difficult to kind of quantify those, I guess, at the time. Okay, Chev, what are some examples of some of the kinds of claims that arise following a fire on board a yacht? Oh, it's um, it's quite bizarre. It can vary a great deal. And uh, one particular example is coming to mind of a fire on board one of our yachts out in the States, where we had a claim from a vessel nearby for initially for some smoke damage. She didn't actually sustain any damage from the fire itself, smoke damage, but also she decided to take actions to to remove herself from, from the area. And in her haste to move, she scratched her side on her berth. So we got a claim for that as well. So it can be quite remote, but, but more general claims are loss and damage to property on board the yachts belonging to the crew or belonging to, to guests on board. It could in the worst case scenario, out of the fire become a wreck and sink. So we might be on for a wreck removal. There could be pollutants that are released into the ocean or into the marina and we have to do a pollution cleanup and also potentially pay a fine. So it is really quite 
varied and uh, as I mentioned we've been quite fortunate not to see any death or personal injury claims arising out of yacht fires but it's very very foreseeable of uh, something quite minor such as smoke inhalation to to sort of actual tragic death arising out of fire that that, that could quite easily happen. Yeah I mean whilst we've been fairly lucky on the yacht side we have had another incident fairly recently on another type of vessel which was more of a, a kind of passenger operation but a yacht kind of build if you like which caught fire whilst at sea and there was a fatality on that one and also you know I, I'm reminded of the dive boat that caught fire off the coast of California last year I believe and there was a number of people that were injured and, and I believe loss of life there as well so even though those two examples aren't operating as private yachts they are still they were still kind of built as a yacht and therefore it's foreseeable that that kind of thing could happen yeah i think that was that was quite useful for our listeners because i think the obvious obvious claim would come from a, a yacht fire would be the Holland machinery but we still had some very very expensive claims that are obviously a result of the third party liabilities that we hold so yeah i think that's useful for our for our listeners how do you both think that covid will have an impact on this trend for example we may see a reduction in manning on private yachts which are, are not necessarily required to have a minimum manning uh, or we may see reduced manning in shipyards and also we may see kind of more congested harbors as more yachts are kind of affected by covid and their owners can't operate them so much yeah certainly this year we've seen on the underwriting side we've seen a lot of yachts particularly earlier in the year that were kept in yards for a lot longer than they were supposed to be there because, you know, there was a complete lockdown, for example, and a lot of the yards in Italy were completely locked down and the crew may have been allowed to stay on board the yacht or on occasions they weren't. They had to either fly back home or stay in hotels. So that just for this, the point that we had a large number of yachts um, in marinas or in yards with little or no crew on board you know obviously the risk was higher again I think we was quite lucky that nothing occurred with regards to fire related incidents but yeah that's the main kind of thing that I can see COVID-19 having an impact on it I guess also possibly because crew are maybe a bit behind with training because of COVID-19 and and not being able to move around as, as easily Mainly, I think there was a lot more yachts not being used and just uh, moored in marinas or laid up in yards. I share Nicola's views on that. I think it's the, the lack of manning or the reduced manning levels that, that give us the biggest concern because it makes a sort of a fire at inception so much easier to miss and preventative action can't be taken quickly enough and could easily spread out of control, especially in a yard or a marina. We've had a couple of yacht fires post-COVID, none fortunately related to the low manning levels. They were, again, mainly related to electrical items on board the yachts causing fires, but it's certainly one that could arise and it's it's something to watch out for, especially if this trend continues and, and yachts aren't able to get back into the water as much as they did in the past. So looking beyond COVID, further into the future, all of our guests have highlighted how they predict the number of these incidents on larger yachts are likely to decrease with kind of improved technology, 
better manning, as we touched upon before, more requirements to comply with regulations. Those fires on, on those yachts will be decreasing, whilst on the smaller yachts, they could increase as they become older. They change hands more often and they get older. Is this something that you would both agree with? And if you have any other views on this trend, please feel free to share them. In terms of the, the technology improving with the bigger yachts, I fully agree. I think we are becoming smarter uh, and more uh, understanding as to how we can, can combat these matters before they're actually arising. So, so absolutely. I also share the same worry that as all the yachts pass from hand to hand, things get lost between crew changes and between owner changes and, and things aren't perhaps as optimal as they should be, which is why I think t- things like this podcast are particularly important because it is discussing the risks out there to the wider yachting community. And the more people who do things like this and participate in things like this means that we can get the word out a lot more and, and help avoid some of those risks that could arise. Yeah, I think so. And I think hopefully the trend is going to tail off as the equipment and the technology gets better. But equally, with the electrical fires, you could argue that that's been down to a lot of the kind of technology and stuff that's on board, you know, the toys, more and more toys that are being kept on board yachts that are battery operated, etc. If that's the cause of the fire, then, you know, it could (laughs) get worse. But Hopefully it will improve. And with regards to the smaller yachts, I guess, again, that's something maybe that we need to consider going forward. Or sorry, the older yachts, we maybe need to consider going forward, whether we have more surveys done or, you know, we request more surveys on those older yachts that don't have all the up-to-date technology and firefighting equipment on board. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you both very much for your time today. I think you both provide our listeners with an insight into how we as a club have been dealing with your electrical fires and kind of how we see this trend developing. And listeners, if you found this conversation informative, we have three other episodes in this podcast mini-series discussing this topic from a flag state's perspective as well as surveyors. So please have a listen.